What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. I just finished interviewing an amazing Seven Figure Altitude member. He's been in our community for quite a few years now. Uh, two years ago, I flew out and spent some time with him and his family. It was an amazing trip in New Jersey, and I've just watched him grow. I've watched him grow, and I've also watched him grow a single man show. So he does this on his own. He is doing uh, quite a bit of business there in New Jersey, and it's really impressive to see what he's done. He shared some of his struggles, shared some of his wins, shared some big takeaways for you if you're listening to this, what the current market is doing right now for him. Uh, really, really great. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy this show. So I'm going to play the theme music, and then I'll be back with my man, Stan Wilder. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity, and that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, what's up, everybody? I'm back with an awesome show and one of my uh, favorite people in the world. I have a really incredible guest. His name's Stan Wilder. He's been on the show before, so you guys can go back and listen to that. We'll put in the show notes the link to his previous episode. Um, but I wanted to bring him on because he has a pretty big milestone that's coming up that we just talked about at the last event, and I wanted to highlight him and talk uh, some about kind of his path, his growth, um, everything that's happened for him and how he's done it. Because um, I've spent some time, I've, I was able to fly out to uh, New Jersey and spend time with Stan. Um, like, what was that like two years ago now? Was it longer? Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's like two years ago, we were preparing for Flip Hacking Live and I was flying all around to do interviews with different people. So I got to spend time in your house uh, doing an interview with you and creating our like video that we made highlighting other members. And I remember in that conversation, uh, it was it was like, I just felt like you were doing, you were doing a lot, but you felt like you weren't doing enough. And it was, it was very interesting in that, like that time that we spent together, just seeing you, like we had your award, we had all this stuff that we brought for you. And um, just, just seeing your journey, even from then till now, a lot of times when we're living it, we don't see how far we've come and how big of steps we've made. And uh, when other people watch it from the outside, they can see it very, very easily. So I want to talk about some of that and kind of just, um, we got to see one of your flips while we were there. We got to see, we got to see multiple uh, houses of yours, things that were under construction that were going on the market to sell, um, all of that stuff. So it's been really cool to get to know you and spend time with you. So maybe you could just take a minute, just take a minute to start to introduce yourself and then we'll kind of talk about where you're at. All right. My name's Stan Wilder, as you, as you said. I'm located in South Jersey, um, Mount Holly. Look, we're about 20, my, 20 25 minutes outside of Philadelphia. Um, married, three children, one angel and a granddaughter, um, all beautiful. And I've been involved in real estate for the past, eh, about going on 13 years this year. Started out as a buy and hold investor and moved over to fix and flip, flopped, and then came back again and um did that for about four three years met up with you guys and now it's just been sort of smooth sailing smooth sailing so everything's been easy since then <laughs> nah <laughs> all right let's uh let's talk about um let's talk about like just kind of what maybe just the past few years like what is your what was your business like and then how has it kind of what's the path been like for you to kind of grow it and and do what you're doing now um well when i started out you know, of course, started with zero, had no knowledge of flipping, went through with a mentor, got into it, 
uh, met up with uh, you guys in the program. I was doing about six, seven deals a year. And then when it started to, I started to take action and follow the path, it just sort of exploded for lack of better words. And it just really took off and it just started moving down the road. And then just, it just, it's been nonstop motion. Well, let's put, let's put like some numbers and figures and things like that on it. Maybe like um, revenue, numbers of deals, things like that. And, and then also talk about kind of like some of your path with what your business looks like. Is it like really big team? Um, how many houses are you doing right now? So let's just start like, I, I don't know, a couple of years ago, what was it like? And then how has that growth happened? Like, have you been like tripling every single year? Um, just to kind of talk to that a little bit. No, actually, like I said, when I started, I was doing about six, seven deals a year. Uh, first year in the program in Runway, I doubled up in that first full year, which got you out to the house uh, on the plane ride. And I doubled up to, I believe it was 15 deals that year, uh, closing out 2021. And at that point, it was, you know, and my business is the same as it is today as it was then. I'm a single man show um, outside of my subs and stuff like that, but I, I don't have any employees as of yet. Um, I have one, I have a VA at this point, but at that point I had zero and I managed everything, um, from the phone calls to the marketing, everything you can imagine that goes on, I was doing it myself. Um, so it exploded up to the 15 deals and then rolling into 2022, um, had big goals there too, but we ran into a little bit of a, a cash crunch, um, cause I think I expanded too fast. Um, and we've talked about this a couple of times in the group and personally. Um, so I, I called myself settling down or we're sitting on my hands for a little bit, but then as we got into 2022, I still ended up buying 12 deals because um, I can't stay out of the real estate space. So I managed what I had going on and kept that moving forward. And then late 2022, started ramping everything back up again. And now we're back on on pace again. Um, I think I'm on pace this year to do 18, 18 to 20 flips. Okay. So let's talk about that a little bit. You said you got into a cash crunch, um, grew a little bit too fast. What are some things that you can talk about, like lessons learned or looking back, some things that would probably help the, somebody who's listening, who is trying to grow and scale their business and maybe just doing it themselves or with a team? Like, what are some things that, that, that happened, that, some mistakes that you made? What lessons did you learn? And what's some things that you can share with the folks that are listening? Uh, one of the things was when I first started this whole business, um, the deeper, the deepest discounts came with the properties or projects that had the most, the bigger projects, the more repair they needed, the bigger the discount I got. And in the end, you know, bigger profit I'd also get. So those projects end up taking time. Um, and what started happening was between the contractors, um, the supply chain issues, inspections, codes and stuff like that, everything started to get backed up. And as it moved on from a, a three to four month projection, it rolled into six, seven, eight, nine, and some even got into double digit months. Uh, that was part of it. So I had to switch my mindset a little bit to get on the easier projects, lack of a better word, easier, um, lighter projects, let's say. Um, more along, trying to get as close to cosmetic as I can get instead of doing all the structural and the really dirty stuff. Um, took me a while to get that, but I finally got it. Uh, the, the other thing that, I had going on was I started to take on, I don't want to say debt, I started to take on lenders requiring monthly payments. Um, a lot of the times in my private money, it was always leaning towards not having monthly payments and stuff like that. And then between that and using a commercial hard money lender with 
monthly payments. I didn't see it coming. I just kept buying, kept buying, kept going, kept going. Projects didn't sell. They went longer, as I mentioned before. And as they went longer, somebody has to pay the monthly note. And that would be Hip National Bank, Hip Pocket National Bank. So that's where the cash crunch came in. But it was always, the vision was always there that, you know, because once you buy a house, you have to sell it. Well, that, that's my mindset. It's going to sell and I'm going to see it to the end and get it done. So I knew putting that investment in, putting the cash back in to get it through would get me through it and we'll come out better on the other side. But that those were two of the biggest things, taking, taking on the debt with the payments and too many at one time and the projects being too complex. Okay, so how did you how'd you how'd you get out of that? So you as you let's say you got projects that are taking longer, right? They're probably now becoming we, we in the military we called it the pig and the snake. So at flight school, we would have all these flight students if the weather was really good, right? Weather's really good, you got flight students that run through a certain um, types of flights. So we would have like basic like intro flights that they would fly, and then the weather would get bad and everybody would get stuck. So they would all kind of get stuck in one cycle in one area. And we'd have this big like log jam of flight students having to get flights done. And we had to produce them just like you have to sell properties. So for us, we would call it the kind of like that's an area where we had a ton of things that just got jammed up. And then like in this case, it's cash flow problems. So cash flow management is hitting you and unexpected properties that you're holding on to that you're making monthly payments, you're paying utilities, you're paying, you know, taxes, insurance, all this stuff has to get paid um, throughout. And it just starts kind of stacking. So now you've got this big like group of houses that are bunched up. Did you just try to get those projects off the books or did you bring some others on while you were doing that? What did that look like for you? Because there might be some people who are listening right now who are in that exact situation. Well, I, I sort of continue to bring projects on but I started to change my my buy box a little bit. I, w- I wouldn't bring on the heavier projects, the heavy lifting stuff. I started to look at more cosmetic stuff. That's the only way I would buy anything. Something that I couldn't, that I could be in and out of in a yeah. certain time frame. Um, after that, it was a matter of just seeing the projects through to get them done. Because like I said, I, I, the vision was there that it was gonna, the, the projects remained profitable the whole time. So it was just a matter of getting to the finish line and getting them there. That's good. Yeah. And getting some money back in the bank, like just filling up the coffers. Right. And so, um, so what are you doing now? Like, is your, is like, what is your strategy now? Is it all cosmetic flips? Is it a mix of the two? Um, like what are you doing now and what did you learn from this that maybe changed some of your, um, buy your structure right now, right now it's strictly cosmetic. Um, cosmetic in my market is a little bit different than other people's markets. Uh, it may be paint carpet, um, mechanicals, maybe a roof, some windows, uh, but there's no structural stuff involved. I'm not moving a whole lot of walls. Um, it's very tempting sometimes because that's where you get that very deep, deep discount. But then you got to look at in my market with the way they do inspections and need engineers and stuff like that. It just elongates the whole process. So, um, but right now I'm pretty much sticking that stuff where I can get in and out in like eight to 10 weeks max. Okay. Nice. And for anybody who's listening, the cash flow management is probably the thing that I see that crushes flippers uh, on a regular basis. They're not over raising for their properties. They're not raising, they're, they might be raising like 100% or 95% of the project and they're just expecting the money in their operating account to go cover those extensions uh, longer. Uh, you guys know, you get a house under contract to sell and it's a 45 day escrow. And then on day 35, 
the buyer cancels the contract. And even if you keep the EMD, it does absolutely nothing for you to get, put it back on the market again. And that's a whole nother, that's could cost you $5,000 or more in some markets, 10, depending on what your holding costs are uh, just for a whole nother month or another two months. And then you got to get it under contract again. There's another inspection. You just fixed things on the previous inspection. Now you got to fix things on the new inspection because the new inspector is, is, you know, putting 500 or $1,000 of stuff. You guys know how it goes. And so then it just starts stacking, right? And so it's happened to me and it'll happen to all of you at some point. So I always recommend over-raising for these properties, really making sure that you have a buffer of like 110% of the amount of all-in money that you think you're going to need, including contingency, to cover those kind of carrying costs, uh, monthly payments, things like that, because then you're in a really good situation. If it does go over, at least you have the capital to keep your business floating and you're not having to do basically an owner contribution to take money from your own bank account and put it in the business to keep it afloat. And fortunately, you were in a position, it sounds like, to do that. You were able to, to pump some more money in. To uh, Is that what you had to do? Did you have to pump some money in to kind of get some of these projects off the books personally? Yeah, stuff that I was, you know, accounting-wise, like, I was trying to follow profit first, so I had money set aside for certain things, and it was just, you know, I, I had it there for that purpose, and it, it came through that way. Nice. And so you were able to put some money back in because you had set it aside, and you knew that this in an emergency, it's like break the glass in case of an emergency, and you put it in, and then it was able to get that. And fortunately, the profit, the project remained profitable. But even if it it didn't, let's say you lost some money on some of these projects, there's probably a lot of built up equity inside the business. If done right, you're, you're, you're calculating how much equity you have inside the company. And all it's doing is just reducing the amount of equity that you have in a company, not leaving yourself to the point where you're actually insolvent and you owe more than you actually have in, in the business. So that, that's a key point, I think, for a lot of people that are listening is, Cash flow management, like literally is the number one thing, like managing your money and the projects as a flipper or a wholesaler, any business owner. This is the thing that I see a lot of business owners kind of like let fall to the wayside and don't think that they need to be really good at this. But this is what the majority of small businesses close because of that. Cash flow management is like 80 to 85 percent of small businesses fail due to not being able to manage their cash. So um, really cool uh, monthly payments. Did you go back to um, to trying to uh, work with more balloon money and stuff like that, like private lenders. Yeah, I, I, I slid it along that way. And uh, you know how there's different ways to I, people go about raising money. And I sort of tried to sway people that way and start to want to have the conversation with them, find out where they're coming from, what they need. And if they really didn't need it, just, you know, move on and let's, let's balloon it up at the back end and just keep on moving forward. Yeah, my best tip for somebody who's out there listening, who's is the monthly payments are driving them nuts, is look for people who have IRAs and 401ks. That is the best money to do balloon payments because they don't care. Like if you're paying them every month or you're paying them at the end, they don't care. They can't use it. So um, the 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 private money, like for me, when I lend out of my personal account, like I don't necessarily care about the cash flow in my IRA and 401k as much as I do inside my personal account. But I also need to show the bank that I'm making income. So when I do a loan, let's say I got a million dollars of money out there and it's, it's paying me 12% interest over every month. If the bank doesn't see that I'm making 12% of the money coming in, then it doesn't look like an asset to them. So if I ever want to go out and get a loan or something like that, that's the challenge with some lenders. Hard money lenders are always going to want their monthly payments just to know that you're, you keep going, you can keep paying. So they're getting little by little, they're getting that money back. And then uh, private lenders though, like th that's the really cool thing about it. You can just negotiate whatever you want on there. Um, what kind and that of was that was part of the problem because I took I took some hard money money in along with my private money that was also requesting the payments, so it all converged at once, and then you know the the totals just grow every month and it's like 
consecutive. You know, you sell the property and you're still paying out. And you're like, oh my goodness. But then once they get go- once they're off the books, then it's like really like you're seeing real momentum then. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you add in the draws with hard money and stuff like that, where you're actually fronting a lot of the cash for the um, no. for the work that's being done, and then it's getting paid back. So you're actually like a net 30 in the opposite direction where you're putting the money out and then the money's coming back in to be reimbursed. And then you multiply that by 10 different projects at once. And every payment is somewhere between $1,500 and $2,500 a month. So now you got 15000 to 25000 just in interest payments that are going out every month on top of all the construction draws. I mean, you're managing millions of dollars of projects. Um, in inside of your business. And you might be like, Hey, I'm good at construction, but this finance thing is really challenging and really hard. So that's where I see a lot of people kind of fall off is, is with the money piece and being able to manage the money. And this is where I would highly encourage you number one to take a, get a handle of it as the business owner. Like this is the one area where I'm like, you have to learn this. You have to understand it. You don't have to be the best at it. You don't have to be able to, to classify different things inside of QuickBooks, but you got to be able to understand and look and see what's happening. And, and, and even if it's just a basic spreadsheet of this is how much money I have, this is how much, how many monthly payments are going out. This is how much uh, repairs that I have coming up. This is how much cash I have. And you're comparing that and going, all right, I got three, three months of cash here. You know, or I got four months of cash and I expect that this house will sell by this time. This house will sell by this time because you're constantly going to be growing and adding new projects on. So that's only going to go up. So I always see people, I need more money. I need more money. I need more money. And uh, flippers by and large get crushed by cash flow. So I'm, I hate that you learned that lesson, but I'm glad you learned it. I'm glad you learned it where you were, weren't losing money and, and like losing your shirt. You were actually still making money on the projects. You just got into a pressure situation where you had to slow down and say, hey, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to change here? Changed it and moved on and, and made some great decisions. So, so in 2023, you've got, you're going from 12 to 18 to 20 deals. Um, the cash crunch is behind you. You started to understand that a little bit, probably have some tools to manage it. Um, so where are these deals coming from? Like, where are you primarily finding your properties? This is just you. A lot of people are like, I have a team. I got a cold caller. I've, I'm mailing. I got a marketing person. I got transaction coordinator. I got project managers. You're still doing it yourself. So what does that look like? Um, my primary, my basic is always going to be off the MLS, but it seems that it's slowed down recently with the low inventory. Um, but that's sort of like a double-edged sword because with the del- with the low inventory, it's hyper-competitive. But when I go to put the property back on the market, when I get one, I, it's almost like I'm able to name my price um, as long as I'm within reason. So that's still so, happening in your area right now. You're still able yes, to sell it fast. Really hot like that right now. Okay, yes. has it been like that like all the way through or like last summer and last winter, did it slow down? It, it took a pause on the appreciation and the actual amount of sales slowed down, but the price didn't drop more than maybe three to 5%. Okay. And then and right, right back right now, I feel like we're back in the spring of last year, the way houses are going now. So are you, are you, are you cautious? Are you uh, bullish? Like what is, what does that look like for you in your buy, buy box now? Are you kind of uh, banking on appreciation? How are you running your numbers for ARVs? And no, like that? I, I am ultra conservative when it comes to that. I never bank on appreciation. Um, if I don't have a pro- if I don't have a comp when I'm buying the property that I can sell that property at in three to four months, I'm not buying the property at that number. It, it has to work, um, and that protects me, protects my lenders, all the way around. So that's that's where I'm at with that. Um, I, I think it's the, I don't think it's really going anywhere. We had a long pause in my market from September to like December, January, where everything slowed down. But 
it seemed like after the Super Bowl this year, everything just took off. I mean, I sold, I think it was like six houses in 45 days. And it's just like it, 45 to 60 days, maybe. But like, you know, it's back to, you know, houses going under contract in the first weekend or the first week at or above asking. And it's just, you know, there's no more seller concessions. You know, there's not a lot of it, it's it's turning back into bidding wars. It's getting a little crazy. Um, and it's tempting to go based off the appreciation. But, you know, you can't do that. It just it's just it's what I'm, my cardinal sitting right there. I just can't do that. So. Well, well, let's say so recently you're running your numbers based on comps that you have that are that are accurate. Now, when you put it on the market, are you actually seeing the fact that you are actually selling them for more money than you initially planned for? And if so, how much? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just example, we just put a property on the market uh, last week and we couldn't really find a good comp on it. It was funny because Kiavi, which is our lender that we use, um, they came back with a crazy appraisal price when I bought it, which I didn't see it. Um, they came back at 400 and I seen 300, 310, and that was in January. So we just put it on the market last weekend. We comped it at 325, 335 because we're a little bit larger and it's selling for knock on wood. We're signing a contract today for 375. So you, you listed it for 335? Yes. And you're selling it for 375. And I'm turning down to 385. Wow. Okay. So, so you're seeing uh, quite a bit right now, like a more of a, the the frenzy is back a little bit in your market. Um, a little bit in certain areas, yes. But you're still being you're still running the numbers based on comps that you can actually prove, and then if it goes over, that's that's just gravy. I mean, that, that the cool thing is that's like forty thousand dollars straight to the bottom line. You know, exactly. that, that's what I love about flipping. It's just like if it goes up $40,000, that's going straight to your pocket. Like there's no other expenses. There's a, maybe a little bit more in realtor fees and some closing costs, but like ultimately that's all gravy uh, to just go right in, right in stands. Uh, uh, what did you call it? The uh, hip, hip pocket bank. Hip pocket national bank. Hip pocket national bank. <laughs> I love that. So um, that, that's really amazing. So uh, that's exciting. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pumped for you with that. So what is, I, I know last time I talked, I like, I remember, First of all, you always like light up the room when you're at the event. It's so, so cool being around you. You're always so, so happy and excited and, and, and just like the, I don't know, it just seems like the little, you just like love life. I, watch, I love watching you travel all over uh, social media, traveling with your wife and going on cool vacations and stuff. And, um, but inside of that, like, I feel like every time I talk to you, you're like, hey, Bill, like I'm going to scale one day. Like I'll, I'm going to be hiring a bunch of people. Like I'll do it. Like, like I expect you to do that or that's what I think that everybody should do. So I love that, I love that you're back on the show and I, I actually love the fact that we're going to talk about like how you've done and, and the award that you're going to get and things like that. But you're doing it on your own and you're doing it your way. And I, I'm, every time I talk to you, I just say, hey, look, Stan, like this is, it's not for me. Like you're not building your business for me. Um, what, I, what I do and what you do, two totally different things. And inside of Seven Figure Flipping, we don't only teach the fact that you've got to scale with a bunch of staff and a bunch of team and you got to be making $5 million a year, $10 million a year, whatever. Like it's everybody just picks their own path. And then how can we support you along that, that way and that journey? So what's that journey been like for you in maybe a push pull scenario of you feeling like you need to do that? You don't want to do it. Have you tried to hire and grow or like, what does that look like for you? Well, when I when I doubled up that first full year, and then last year when I was in double digits again, um, I sort of swore to myself, oh, "I'm never going to do this by myself again." Um, it's great because some people say, "Oh man, that is so awesome that you're doing that all by yourself," and then some people are like, "Dude, you're crazy. Why are you doing it like that?" 
Um, right now, it's and I sort of acknowledge I sort of gave myself a little bit of a high paying job um, for what I'm doing, but I, I also it, it's not driving me crazy. But I I just recently with going over the whole seven figure thing and going over my numbers and looking at um, to use the gap in the game to look at where I where I was and what I've accomplished, it makes me sort of look forward like. Well, what happens if I do bring somebody on and give myself more time and give myself more ability to raise capital, go find more deals? And it's sort of exciting. So, but again, I'm not there yet because I'm trying to put the processes in place and I'm about that far away from pulling the trigger on on that first uh, boots on the ground hire. Um, but I did go to VA route. So that, that's where the journey's at. It's, it's still an up and down kind of thing, but it's not enough to the point that it's like, I haven't hit that pain point yet where it's like this absolutely cannot be done. So let's, let's talk about the seven figure club award uh, real quick. So you, um, we have these awards inside of our program for anybody who's new listening and doesn't know we have this first deal award, which is really special to me that that coin, it's a military coin that, that, that I created in 2019. And it's really symbolic because I really feel like that first deal, even if it's your first deal with us, or it's your first like seller finance deal or something creative that you did or your first apartment deal or whatever it is. It's like, it's that first deal. It gives us the belief that it's possible to do this. And I think that first deal that we do is so magical. And many people like the in runway, my whole goal is to get people that coin. Like if I know if I can get you that coin, like, you will be successful in your right somehow. Like once you get that first deal done, like that's it. The belief changes, everything changes inside your head. And then we have our liftoff award, which is uh, for folks that are doing consistent deals. Like they're getting 10, 12 deals a year and they're kind of lifting off from runway to altitude. It's that point where you're making like a quarter million dollars a year. You know, you're really starting to grow and you're it's just to the point where, hey, this has become a, a real business for me. And then uh, we, in our altitude program, we have two awards in there. One is the freedom award which means people that are finding time and financial or impact freedom and they apply for it. And, and I created this award because not everybody wanted to go chase the seven figure club award, the million dollar award. Some people just wanted a five or $600,000 a year business, but just run by themselves, it nets a ton of money for them. And it's a lifestyle business for them, but they have time freedom. They have financial freedom. They get to choose what they do when they want to do it. And they just, they, but I wanted to reward that. I didn't want it to only be the million dollar award. So we created this freedom award that people can apply for and just kind of convince me of how they have freedom. Like, how do you have freedom of your time or freedom of money, like financial freedom? You found that or some impact freedom, like the ability to give back, to go on mission trips, to travel, to do those kind of things. And so they just apply for that. And then we have the seven figure club award, which is a million dollars in a year. So a million dollars in a year. And this is really, uh, I love this award, this seven figure club award. Um, it's really cool. It's, it's actually right behind me. It's got all three coins in it and it's a shadow box and a plaque. And I do want people to kind of like push towards that, you know? So, um, so Stan walked up to me, he's like, Hey, how do you calculate this? And I think I might be close. Like, is it, is it from like the fiscal year? Is it like the annual year? Like how, I was like, look, man, 12 month period, you make a million dollars in a 12 month period, you got an award. And he's like, Oh, okay. I'm going to go back and run my numbers. And, uh, so how's it going for you? Tell me, uh, tell me where you're at on that. Well, as of, uh, the beginning of this month, I submitted my, I went through my numbers and submitted last night. It was $1,058,000. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So congratulations and big uh, round Thank of applause you. for me and everybody that's listening. But um, like, how do you do that by yourself? 
Like, I mean, is that all your money? Like a million dollars is your money? No, you know how it works. You have to pay things out. There's, there's overages, expenses and everything like that. So um, I certainly don't have a million dollars in my bank account. Um, but you know, I'm still striving for that. So that, uh, that's like, that's the next conversation is how to stand, yep. like you got to be able to pull that money out of your business. Right. And so that's really where I've been spending a lot of my time is to teach and train entrepreneurs on how they can actually, like, you build your financial f- fortress, your foundation of finances, and then the, let the business support that and suck money out and pull money out and be able to do that instead of just growing yeah. and growing and growing. So the challenge that we run into a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we're constantly just dumping money back in the business or it stays in there. We don't actually pull it out. So you should have at, you know, 1.1, 1.05, like I, I, I'd hope that you're pulling out three, 400,000, stabilizing and figuring that out and looking at that next. But um, as a flipper who has no employees, maybe a couple of team members, uh, I know that you're a really humble guy, but you've got to be doing really, really well over the last 12 months. So, um, and, and, and you can pull it out if you wanted to. You sell out all that inventory, you go, oh man, right? let's rake in $2 million or so, distribute it to me, and let's go to Vegas and put it on black and turn it into $4 million, right? Yep, always been on black, Bill. <laughs> all right, so how does that feel? How does it feel to kind of hit those kind of numbers? Because I remember being there and basically just giving you like that, that first deal coin and a liftoff coin just a couple of years ago in the program where you were just, you were in runway, just kind of getting going with us. Uh, it feels again, um, cause it goes back to what you said in the beginning. I always feel like I'm not doing enough and you know, it's and not, not in a bad way, but sort of in a good way. I always feel I can do more. Um, so, and like I said, if, if I did a million over the 12 months, I really think I can disguise the limit on the next part of it. So, but it feels great. I mean, it, I don't it's, I'm a little bit speechless because I really just went over it over the last two weeks and I'm like, just like letting it sink in. Like with, I mean, anybody that knows me, like you said, I'm a humble guy. I'm low key until you get to know me. Then I don't shut up <laughs> and I don't brag. I don't beat my chest, but it's like, dude, you did this. You know what I mean? And, you know, me and the wife are talking about it and we, we chuckle about it. And of course she plans the vacation, but you know, <laughs> That's it's right. like, yo, we're, we're making this thing happen here. So that's awesome. Why is that? Do you think like, why do you think that we always want more? Like we can never be happy with where we are. We always kind of want more as entrepreneurs or these business owners. I feel like a lot of people inside of our mastermind that are personal development people is always like, okay, yeah, hit a million. But like, what I, I could, could have done 1.5 or I could do two. Like, how do, how do you, how do you deal with that? And what do you think's going on with us? Um, you know, some of the conversations we've had, you've, you've actually told me about this, about, you know, you're not, not always having to have the biggest business in the room and stuff like that. Um, I sort of temper myself where I don't need that. Um, just take my, my slice of pie, do what I need, get what I need done, and then just keep it moving. Um, so every once in a while, when I do get that big, that big um, dream of the 100 flip a year business, I sort of like, eh, do I really want to do that? Let's, let's look at where we're at now. Let's maintain it, grow it a little bit, and then sort of side, sidestep it up, you know? You know what I see? I see in this, like, I feel like the grass is always greener on the other side. Like when we have something that's really, really good, we're always kind of comparing. We're in a comparison culture right now of just like looking at what other people are doing or other people have and saying, oh man, it would be really nice to have that. Because really all we're seeing is the highlight reel. You know, we're not seeing the real right. stuff. We're not seeing like the real um, challenges that they're going through, the problems that those bring, 15 different employees, all the struggles and issues. 
that come with that versus what we've got going on. Cause I look at, I look at your business. I'm like, man, that's, that, that sounds really good. Like, and I bet people are listening that have, that are doing hundred flips a year and have 20 people on staff that might be doing two or $3 million. And they're just like, I would love to have a business that had like, that did 18 deals that, that brought in a million dollars gross and netted me a whole lot of money where I can be going around on vacation like Stan and managing my stuff from the phone from time to time, you know? And, and, and somebody else is going, you know, you, you might be looking at somebody who's doing the hundred flips going, man, it'd be really nice because they don't really have to be involved that much. Like they don't go to the houses. They might be doing it virtually. So there's always like goods and bads of everything that we do. And I, so I, the thing that I'll tell everybody that's listening is just, I would ask yourself, like, what do you want? What do you want? Right now, not like three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Like, what do you want right now? And figure out how to go build that. And along the way, you might realize that that's not what you want. And you want to make an adjustment and then make a tweak and then just adjust it and change and try it. And so, like, I never wanted a big business with a lot of people. I didn't want a lot of employees and staff in the beginning, but I got pushed to hire that first person. And I hired that first person. And uh, I mean, that first person I hired, the first person ever. She was lasted two weeks and then quit because her husband moved and, to, a new, to a new job in a new state. And she was like, I, I can't stay here with you. And I was like, devastated. But I got back on the horse, hired somebody else. And then she stayed with me for like four or five years. And, and then I hired another person and another person. And next thing I know, I just kept hiring people. And I really found that I really loved it and enjoyed it. And I actually love supporting other people. I love bringing other people in. I love leading them. I love growing them. I love developing them. And this has been one of the, my, my true passions that I found that I really, really enjoy. And so I could, I never go back. I, I don't think I could ever go back to doing everything myself again. And I just found that along the way when in the beginning I was you, Stan, like I was doing everything myself. I did all of it myself, but I wasn't enjoying it. I was getting frustrated with it. And so I, I think if you're out there listening, it's just like, just like put one foot in front of the other, just figure out what's next for you and just figure out what you want right now. And that's going to morph and develop and change over time as you try things. And you might try something, you might hire somebody and hate it. And totally hate it. And be like, I'm a horrible manager. I'm a horrible leader. Like, I just want to do my thing. And I'm gonna, I want to go back to what I'm doing. And, and, but do that because you, that's what you want to do. Not because that's what you think you have to do or should do or what everybody else is doing. Because what everybody else is doing doesn't matter. Like, do what you do, do you, and, and set up your business. And that's what I love about you. And sometimes you'll look at me and be like, I know, I know, I know. You're, you're going to tell me I need to do this. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm actually not. I'm going to tell you to do what, what you, what you want to do. Like do what you want to do, build the business that you want right now. And then next year that might change and you might try it and you might hate it and you might go back. Um, you might try it and love it and be like, Oh, I wish I tried this earlier. And then we just keep going in that path. So uh, the grass is always going to be greener. Like I always look, I look at people that run Airbnbs. I look at people that are doing Turo businesses. They're renting out their cars. I look at, I, I look at all these different things. Um, every other coach and consultant and different masterminds that they're running. I'm like, man, that would be, It'd be really cool to do that. It'd be really cool to do that. And as you become more successful, it's, it's more distracting. There's a lot more opportunities and a lot more things that you realize that you can do. And it really, to stay focused is the key. Stay focused and, and don't let comparison creep in. Like really just kind of love what you do. And I'll tell you, I guarantee people are going to listen to this, Stan, and be like, I want to do what he's doing. And they got, you know, 20 people. They're doing 150 deals a year. They're like, you know what? I, I, I kind of want to just burn it down and just go back to being me but I don't know how to do that. And then you got other people who are the exact opposite who are doing what you're doing. They're super frustrated. They hate it. And they're like, I, I need to build a team around me. And so, um, 
I think there's a lot of wisdom here and a lot of lessons to be learned from, um, from the path that you've taken. Um, what's next for you? What's the next steps? Uh, my next step is to get to that 25 deal a year mark and reevaluate. Just basically keep it moving and stay consistent with what I'm doing and just reevaluate as the, the steps come along. What do you think it's going to take to do that? To go from where you are to that? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I, I just, and that's part of my, my problem. Cause I just look at it like, just work harder and it's not a matter of working harder. Um, it's, it's a matter of working smarter. So, and I think I just got to start to find some people to put around me and just let it, let it organically grow that way. I think it could, it could be much bigger than where it is now mm. without much effort. I think that's, I think that's smart. Um, you're right. Uh, to go from, you know, 18 to 25, a lot of times it's just like, let me just run a little faster or work a little harder, or um, I just need to, you know, a couple more hours. And that, that's the challenge. Um, I think if we figure out there's, there's a different path to get there um, and, and we might need to figure out what those other paths are, kind of like we talked about in Mexico. I think it's, uh, it's really important to think like that. And so, um, Man, I'm excited for you to walk across the stage and grab that award. I I actually am upset that it's so far away. So uh, what is it? It'll be here before you know. Four or five months away before you actually can like hold it. And, and But uh, we'll recognize you right now on the show. So I'm excited to <laughs> to check out the application, all that stuff. So it's really, really incredible. I'm, inc- I'm so proud of you. Um, I remember showing up at your house and getting to know you and, and your wife. And, and sh- you guys got, got me donuts. Like, that's that's like you know that I'll be happy when you're providing donuts. And that's uh, all you needed. Yeah, even though I was I was getting in shape for yes. uh, Flippacking Live at that time and I was like, I can't I can't not eat a donut though. So uh got donuts, we got to see go see the houses, get to see what you do, see in your element. It's just really cool. Um I, we we didn't do that last year and I, I miss it so much. I want to do it again this year. It really was cool to kind of go out there and see all of all of you guys and what you're doing, the type of houses that you're buying and just getting to know you. Like coming into somebody's home is is totally that that's there's something about that that is that builds a connection. And just like when the runway members came out here and I took them out to my farm, like they came out to the farm, they walk around the farm, they see where I live, they see uh, they see what I'm doing, they see everything on video, and I feel like that's a it's a connection that like it can't be it can't be replaced. Like that's something that is a, is is really cool. So I'm I'm thankful for that trip um, to really get to know you, even if it's just for like one day, but. Um, uh, and it was a scary landing. Like it was really nasty weather. Yeah, the weather was down. I, I didn't break out at minimums on the first approach. I had to come back around and do another one. And uh, it was it was not pretty. Andre and Morgan were in the back like freaking out. Uh, they're like, I, I don't think they knew how bad the weather was. Um, but we ended up landing, getting down. And it was a pretty crappy <laughs> day to to fly that little airplane in there. So, um Stan, uh, what what can I help you with, man? What what do you got going on there? Um, is do you need some uh, you need some private lenders? If somebody wants to work with you, like what can what do you need, and how can I help? Um, just at the end of the show, like you want to share uh, your, your website, your uh, your email, something like that. If somebody wants to do some do some deals there in Jersey, maybe you got some wholesalers that want to sell you some properties or something. Well, you do what you keep doing and what you've been doing with the group in the community. It's a great place. Mm. Um, as far as me, I'm always looking for lenders. I'm always looking for contractors. I'm always looking for deals, uh, whether it be a wholesale, a flip, 
or something along that nature, um, I can be, you can reach, reach out to me on Facebook on my personal name page, Stan Wilder, or my business page is Wilder Property Acquisitions. I'm also on Twitter at Wilder Property Acquisitions. Not as active as some, but I finally moved over there. Um, I also have a website, We Buy Houses in South Jersey, Buy Homes in South Jersey.com. Um, and again, my phone number is 267 694 3349. I know that's a little dangerous, but I usually always answer my phone. Yep. Stan's a, Stan is a guy who, who will talk to you for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and it's cool. Uh, I, I appreciate that. So we got lenders, um, people selling properties and contractors. And, and where's your market again? Just remind them where the market is. South Jersey, Southeast Pennsylvania. Okay. South Jersey, Southeast Pennsylvania. Uh, really cool. I'm thankful to have been able to share some time with you today, Stan. And I know that there's a lot of people I guarantee that got a lot from this. It, it really is important knowing the cash flow, understanding that you can't buy all these like teardowns in a row and it just stacks and stacks, looking at supply chain issues, and then knowing the current state of the market right now, running your numbers, being conservative, and really seeing like, hey, uh, what, how do I need to adjust and tweak my business and my buy box to, 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 to set and set up the company that I need to have um, for the numbers that I want on the back end? So uh, really great talking with you, and I'm incredibly proud of you. I'm uh, thankful to have you in the group. I know that there's a lot of people that get a ton of value from you. And at, when we build a mastermind, it really is the, the collective group of people that are inside of it that make up um, the value of that. Like, I'm not the value. And I know that as humbling as that is, as, as, as much as it hurts my ego, like I'm not, I'm not the value of the mastermind. It's the fact that I'm like the head recruiter and my job is to go out and find the amazing people that make up this incredible mastermind and then put tools in place and, and try to try to be a couple steps ahead to figure out what you guys need next and, uh, and then deliver that and bring it. So I'm um, thankful to have you in the group. I really am. And I know there's a lot of people that have been uh, helped by you. So, um, we're happy to have you. Um, if you're listening to this right now, um, I am the head recruiter and I, yes, I am recruiting you right now on the podcast. So um, if go to seven figure altitude, the number seven figure altitude.com, if you're doing um, anything above like consistent deal flow, like a deal a month, that's the place for you as somebody who's done deals, who is like trying to grow their business. Maybe it's hiring. Maybe it's just doing a couple more. Maybe it's Stan just trying to like double or going from 12 flips to 18 to 25 and really just kind of growing your business. That's the place for you. Sevenfigurealtitude.com. And if if you're a new investor just getting started, never done a deal before, we have a place for you too. It's called the Runway Program. That's where Stan started. That's where you can start. And sevenfigurerunway.com, the number sevenfigurerunway.com. We'll put the link in the show notes and the email and uh, I'll see you guys on the next show. Stan, thanks for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Had a great time. Thank you, Bill. So, see you soon. See you guys. Bye.